and welcome in. We appreciate you joining us for another Wednesday edition of the Frary in Smith podcast. We're excited to talk some more Sunbelt football, but before we do, if you didn't listen to our last episode with App State Athletic Director Doug Gillen, where he talked about the changing landscape of college athletics, NIL, and more, make sure you go back and listen to it wherever you get your podcast. Today on episode 81 of the show, we'll be continuing our position previews ahead of the 2023 season. We released our top 10 Sunbelt quarterbacks ahead of the fall in episode 76 of the show, which was one of our most listened to episodes of all time. And on today's episode, we'll be breaking down the stacked running back position in the Sunbelt Conference. Caden, we went into last year billing it as the year of the running back in the Sunbelt, and it certainly didn't disappoint. Kalen Laybourne, Frank Gore Jr., Kamani Vidal, LaDamian Webb, they all ran for over 1,000-plus yards last season, and three of them are coming back this year. There were several notable departures, including guys like Tucker Gregg, Blake Watson, Percy J. Obese, Kalen Laybourne. Uh, but, Kane, the running back position, it might be even deeper this season. Yeah, I think when you just look at this conference as a whole, it's kind of hard to deny that the running back position is kind of the heart and soul and where the talent's at when you come into this year. You talk about some of the names that were able to be so productive last year in the conference, and a lot of those guys are coming back. I think this position group as a whole is in great hands heading into the season. And I think it's going to be one of those situations where we're kind of talking about the wide receiver position previously and how there might be a belt that's up for grabs for who's the best. And I think you can kind of say that about the running back position as well coming into this year, just because of how many good guys there are, how competitive it might be to establish yourself as the top running back and how week to week these guys can just have amazing breakout performances that can add to their resumes that are already been built up so strong for some of them. Yeah, it could be a huge year in the running back room. As you can tell, I'm doing this a little under the weather right now, dealing with a little bit of sickness. But, Caden, you played through injuries in your career. I figured I could tough out a podcast with a head cold. So let's not waste any more time. We'll jump into our top 10 running backs in the Sun Belt uh, for the 2023 season. And, Caden, I think when we did the quarterbacks, we went from, uh, did we go first one through 10 or was it the other way around? Do you remember back? I really don't remember. I want to say we went one to 10. Ah, I really don't remember. I can't. Don't quote me on that one. I, I'm, I'm 100% not sure. You can 100% quote me that I'm not sure. <laughs> there certainly wasn't a lot of intrigue with the quarterbacks, but I do feel like there is more intrigue here with the running backs in terms of who we went up top. So, Caden, what, what would you think about going 10 through 1 here? Yeah, let's do it. I think there is some suspense with this position. And I think as long as we can make sure we have enough to talk about some of the top guys, I know there's a lot to say about some of the resumes and some of the things they do, did last year. I think we'll be good. So let's go 10 to 1. Let's go 10 to 1. And so, Kane, here's where we'll start it off. And I know you and I went back and forth uh, on these these last, you know, 8 through 10 here. But we're going to start it off with our number 10 running back heading into the 2023 season. And that's JMU running back Latrell Palmer. He served as JMU's number two running back throughout the season behind Percy J. Obese last year. Finished with 398 yards and five touchdowns. But, Kane, you right remember back, he's just two years removed from a 947-yard season and three touchdowns in 2021 in the Dukes' final season at the FCS level. He enters this year with nearly 2,000 career rushing yards, and he's expected to split time with redshirt sophomore Kalen Black in the James Madison backfield, Caden. Yeah, I think Latrell is going to be a big breakout candidate. Looking into this year, you talked about the 900-yard season he had in 2021. Mind you, Percy J. Obese was on that team, so that was a season where he was a bell cow back. He was their main option and their primary running back option. And I think heading into this year, with him gone and a Todd Santeo gone, I think this makes him a little bit more poised for a breakout year because some of, so much of that rushing production from a year before is gone. But this is a guy who's an experienced veteran back and knows the system like the back of his hand. And I think when you talk about him in, in tandem with a Kalen Black, who is more of a receiving threat, who has a more dynamic 
focus to his game. I think this could have the potential to be one of the great one-two punches of the backfields of all of the Sun Belt and really all of the group of five levels. So I think when you look at a guy like Sherell Palmer, I think he's another breakout candidate. We'll probably talk about some more moving forward. But I think just a senior who's probably coming into this year super motivated, probably not happy that he was the backup last year after 2021 where he was that starting guy, that main guy. So probably going to have a tip on a chip on his shoulder. And he's just an explosive threat who makes great decisions in the backfield, can make anyone miss at any given time. And he's going to have a lot of those offensive linemen from the year before in front of him this year. It'll be interesting too, Kane, when you think about how James Madison is structured heading into the season. They'll have a new quarterback, a lot of new faces at the wide receiver position. So watch out perhaps for the Dukes to maybe lean on that running back position early on in the season as they look to get that offense going. So I think that's a great pick at number 10. Certainly has the ability to climb up these rankings uh, with a big season. Kane, we'll move on to number nine. And here we went with a guy who was a third string running back this year, this past year, uh, but is expected to be the lead back. And that's Marcus Carroll at Georgia State. Uh, He finished with the third most rushing yards for Georgia State last year. He trailed Tucker Gregg and Jam Williams. Scored six touchdowns as that third string running back. Uh, Did have those two 100 plus yard rushing games, including uh, a career best 163 yards and three touchdowns in that 42 to 14 win over Southern Miss in early November. He also outrushed Frank Gore Jr. in that game, 163 yards to 89. We're going to talk about Frank Gore later on in this episode. I can guarantee you of that, but he brings a lot of experience to this team. Kate, here's something interesting to keep an eye on. Georgia State lost their offensive coordinator this offseason, but they promoted from within going to Trent McKnight. And so I think we can expect to see that same steady dose of the running game again in 2023. Yeah, just like I talked about with Latrell, I think this is another breakout candidate, probably my breakout candidate, not to speak too early into the season. But as far as the offensive position, I'm buying a ton of Marcos Carroll stock heading into the year. I think he's poised for it. And you talk about it. They lose their offensive coordinator, but they hire from within. This is an offense that last year was the number one rushing offense in the league. The year before that, they were only four yards behind Coastal Carolina. So that's their identity. That's what they want to do. They're going to pound the ball. When you lose your top two backs from the year before in a Tucker Gregg and a Jemias Williams, poised big time for Marcus Carroll. And I think when you look at his game, I actually think he's a more dynamic and explosive back than a Tucker Gregg and just as, if not even more explosive than Jemias Williams. So I think he can almost add a new element to this ground and pound offensive attack that we saw in the past. But you talked about it. This is a guy who they put the ball in his hands a lot more in November to end the stretch of the season. He had those 200-yard games, an amazing three-touchdown performance against Southern Miss, outrushing a guy in Frank Gore across the ball, who that doesn't happen much. We don't see that too often in this league and with anyone who faces Frank Gore Jr. So I think Marcus Carroll has all of the tools, and I think he has all the tools around him as well as far as scheme and the culture that they're trying to bring at Georgia State to have a great breakout year. So I'm buying a ton of Marcus Carroll stock earlier this year. Give it, give it to me all at a low rate. Yeah, I feel like that's a that's a great buy right there from a betting perspective. He he seems like a guy that you could buy low here. We've got him at number nine. Could he make that leap forward if he's in that system and he gets the number of carries that we've seen guys uh, like Jamias Williams and Tucker Gregg get in previous seasons? Kane, we'll move on to our number eight pick here. And you and I went back and forth. This number eight pick could have been as high as probably number six in some of the rankings that we talked about. Had a really good season last year, and that's Lincoln Perry at Texas State. Uh, He was Texas State's leading rusher after transferring from Arkansas State uh, prior to last season. Goes for 772 yards, which was the most rushing yards in a season since 2015 uh, for that Texas State program. Also had five touchdowns in 12 games. He also brings a pass-catching element to his game. Caught 29 balls, which I think could be a big part of his game under that new system uh, with G.J. Kinney and Mac Lefwich. 
Uh, he finished with the ninth best yards per game average a season ago in the Sun Belt. And he did have some explosive games, particularly at the end of the season. He ran for 221 yards versus the defending champion, Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns. Caden, I'm really interested to see Lincoln Perry this year because we're going to see him under first-year coaches Mac Lefwich and G.J. Kinney. That system is going to be electric. It'll be interesting to see how much they get the running game involved. Yeah, shout out to Lincoln. I think coming into the season, he was a guy that was under the radar that wasn't talked about a ton. And when you looked at his two seasons at Arkansas State before this, he made the most out of his carries. He only got 72 carries and 100 carries in those two respective seasons, averaged six a carry, four a carry in those seasons. So he's always made the most of his touches and was even a threat at Arkansas State out of the backfield. But you talked about it. This is a guy who's an explosive threat. And when you look at the offense that they ran last year, you weren't necessarily always to see that on display. He's a big play guy. When you look at him, 64-yard score against Louisiana in the in the closer of the season. Another 64-yard receiving touchdown against Troy's defense, who we know what they were capable of. And even at Arkansas State, this guy had an 84-yard screen that he took to the house. So this is a guy that has that big playability, and I think you nailed it right on the head. Can Mac Lefwich and G.J. Kinney unlock some of that big playability that we only saw flashes of just because there wasn't a lot to work with in that Texas State offense, quite frankly, last year. They made the most of what they could, but they didn't really open things up and give him a ton of opportunities to showcase his abilities. And I think when you look at him in this new season coming this year, he might be able to unlock some of that and achieve some of that. So very excited to him to stay at Texas State. I know he was in the portal for a little bit. I guess they convinced him that he's going to be able to do some of the things that I'm mentioning this season in this new offense. So very excited about him and I, keep, I can keep saying these guys are breakout candidates left and right, but I think the bottom of this list just overall has guys that showed a ton of promise last year. And he's another one that did that and can also show a lot of improvement heading into the next season. Yeah, I would dare say any top 10 list, the bottom you know, 7 to 10 are going to be guys that maybe we think have the ability to break out. I think you'll see that as we go through some other position groups uh, throughout the remainder of the offseason. Kane, you made an interesting point there about Perry is there's also going to be what we expect to see a much improved passing attack. It's going to take some pressure off, maybe open up some holes. So if you get him in those right spots, expect some of those big explosive plays uh, from Lincoln Perry this coming season. We'll move on to number seven here. And Caden, this one, uh, there was some decent debate here between you and I of who to go with at number seven. Uh, we ended up settling on Coastal Carolina running back C.J. Beasley. And part of maybe what held him back a little bit in our mind is this is going to be a really deep running back room for Coastal Carolina again this season. Uh, Beasley was an honorable mention, all Sunbelt uh, player this past year. He's coming off the best season of his career where he ran for 717 yards and five scores across 13 games. Uh, had two 100-plus yard performances against Georgia State and ULM. But, Caden, here's what was tough for C.J. Beasley. He did struggle down the stretch, didn't get as many carries, ran for fewer than 50 yards in six of his last seven games, including just 13 in that bowl game uh, against East Carolina. He's going to compete again this year with reps in that deep coastal running back room that's expected to feature guys like Reese White, Braden Bennett, among others. It's going to be interesting to see, but C.J. Beasley has certainly shown us the explosiveness that he brings at the running back position. Yeah, C.J. was definitely one of the tougher guys for us to rank, just looking at his body of work, how he ended his season, and what we're expecting of him heading into next season. But you talked about it, those running backs in Coastal Carolina, it's a deep room last year, and it's going to be a deep room again this year. And I think what benefited him last season was that in college football and all football and all sports, availability is the best ability. And he had that over a lot of the running backs heading into the season last year who struggled with some injuries, were a little banged up, didn't have this as much consistency as he did. And it allowed him to emerge and shine and kind of become Coastal's top running back throughout the season. We saw what he did in that game against Georgia Southern, the Myrtle hurdle that was heard around the world. And I think plays like the Myrtle hurdle 
are kind of why CJ made it this far on the list. This is the eye test wise. If you look at some of the other running backs who might have better stats that are below him and things like that, this is one of the most explosive guys in the conference with the ball in his hands. He didn't have the flashy numbers week in and week out. He didn't have all those 100 yard games. And you talked about how he kind of fizzled off towards the end of the season. But this is a guy who was such a reliable guy in this offense last season. Very curious, like a lot of the other running backs, to see what he does this season in a new system. He has Tim Beck now at the helm and very interested to see how Tim Beck uses this stable of running backs. Is it going to be a system where he kind of promotes a guy, kind of likes a guy and has him as his lead bell cow? Or is he going to have a committee of backs and use all of them? And I think that's what he should lean towards just personally. I think when we look back at the season, when it's over, we might not see CJ be as highly ranked if he goes with the committee. Because I just think Coastal's ability, if they are all healthy, healthy, to throw a ton of backs that are fresh every quarter, every snap, every series is going to be a huge benefit for him. So very interested to see what year CJ has with this new offense and with these backs probably coming back healthy, but got to respect the body of work and the consistency that he gave this offense last year, bringing them to a championship. Yeah, definitely agree with you there, Caden. And the only reason I couldn't go higher than number seven is CJ Beasley. You mentioned the Myrtle Hurdle. He did promise us t-shirts, but he has not yet delivered on that. So <laughs> I might've been willing to go higher. We're going to have to remind him of that at some point because uh, I would love to sport a Myrtle Hurdle t-shirt on this podcast. Uh, but CJ Beasley certainly could have a big year for Coastal Carolina. Kane, we'll move on to number six. Uh, and this is Jalen White for Georgia Southern. He was a third-team all-conference running back during the 2022 season. Uh, just missed out on the 1,000-yard mark. Uh, goes for 914 and 10 touchdowns. He also had 22 catches out of the backfield in that electric Brian Ellis system. He had that big 87-yard, two-touchdown performance versus Nebraska in that upset win early in the season. Caden, he would have been over 1,000 yards on the season had he not missed the finale against App State and also missed Georgia Southern's bowl game against Buffalo. So just a huge year for Jalen White. He enters the season with 1,383 rushing yards, 14 career touchdowns. And for the first time in his career, he's really solidified himself as Georgia Southern's number one running back. He's due for another big year in the second season under Brian Ellis in this new offensive system at Georgia Southern. Yeah, first of all, just circling back to one of your points from before, we will up your power ranking and any ranking levels that we have or any lists we come out with if you give us merchandise. Just letting that known to all players and all, all organizations. If you if you merch us up, we will consider that when ranking you moving forward. But no, Jalen White was one of the more unlikely presences and selections on this list when you head into the season. I mean, if you're Jalen White, if you're in his shoes, Clay Helton and Brian Ellis come in and they install their air raid offense. You're probably not thinking I'm going to have the best season of my career, but he did that with the 900 yards and just an amazing year out of the backfield as well. I think he's super important in the pass game as a receiving threat, but I can't stress enough how important this guy is to this offense just by keeping it honest with his ability. When you're playing an air raid team, it's very easy as a defender to sit back really focus on defending the pass, but you could not do that against Georgia Southern too much or else Jalen White would gash you. He's going to get five yards of carry. He's going to make you miss. And you could argue that he is the fastest guy on this list. He's an explosive guy who eats up grass. And he's one of those guys when you're, if you're in pursuit, if he's in the open field, he makes you change those angles immediately. It makes you audible because he's not going to be where you think he's going to be when he's running down the sideline or running up the field. So can't stress enough how important this guy is to this offense. You could argue if you look across this list, this guy might be the most important guy to his offense. And that sounds weird with them being an air raid, but he keeps them so honest and he's so pivotal when it comes to game planning as far as you can't defend all the these receivers and Jalen White at the same time. So I think he's poised for another year to keep building on what he did last year and super excited about his season. 
Yeah, an interesting point you make there, too, because I think back to our conversation that we had during bowl season with Brian Ellis, and he talked about allowing guys to do what they're good at. Jalen White is good at running the football. They're going to utilize him a little bit out of the backfield in pass-catching situations, but they utilize him. He gets his yards, and really, Brian Ellis, despite how good that offense is through the air, he does a nice job of spreading things out and kind of giving everyone their touches, keeping everyone happy. So certainly interesting to keep an eye on heading into uh, the 2023 season. Kane, we'll move on to number five, and this was a guy that you went to bat for. You said this guy has to be a top five running back heading into 2023. Uh, there might be a little app state bias here, but as you look at the numbers, you look at previous production in his career. Kane, I'm, I'm very comfortable with this guy being at number five, and that's Nate Noel, the running back at App State. Uh, he comes in with the third most career rushing yards among active Sunbelt running backs with 2,240, trailing only Frank Gore in Kamani Vidal. Uh, he ran for just 604 yards and six touchdowns last season and what could kind of be considered a down year uh, for Nate Noel. Uh, fans might remember back to 2021 when he ran for over 1,100 yards and four scores. Uh, last year was the first year since 2011 that App State did not have a 1,000-yard rusher. He's going to look to change that this year. And Caden, if he can get back to that 2021 form, he could easily be maybe a top three or four running back in this league, and he's going to do it with Frank Ponce back as his offensive coordinator, the guy who he had so much success under in 2021. Yeah, I think when we go from Jalen White up on this list, there's going to be a lot of movement this season, a lot of guys who can maybe up their stock as the lead back, but I definitely didn't think about Jalen White being ranked right behind Andy Wells, not doing great for my App State bias, so sorry for the Georgia Southern fans, but I'll back it up. I think this is definitely a little bit controversial, but I talked to Nate last year, and it was, it was clear watching it, and it was clear talking to him that he was not healthy last season, and I think I remember back to when he bursted on the scene as a freshman when our team had a ton of injuries, had guys dealing with COVID in his first career game, he rushes for 131 yards. And then the next season, like you mentioned, rushes for over 1,000 yards. That's something Jalen White hasn't done yet. He got close to it, but he's not a 1,000-yard rusher, not a first-team all-conference guy who's contributed to winning in the offense's efficiency in the same way Nate has done in the past. And you have to hope that him coming back this year as, for the first time in his career, an undisputed number one running back. He's not... There's not a Cam Peoples element to it. It's clear that Nate Noel is going to be the most featured guy in this offense. And you talked about Coach Ponce, a guy coming back who definitely understands how to utilize Nate and how to use him properly. So the biggest thing with Nate coming into this season is going to be the health. If he can stay healthy, I think he's going to get back to that form we're used to him seeing. And we saw it late in the season. I mean, when he played Georgia Southern to end the year, this guy rushed for 171 yards and three touchdowns. That's what he does when he's healthy. And I think that was one of the few games this season he actually was healthy. Also added the pass catching element to this game this season. He had 24 catches for 145 yards despite playing in a limited role. So I think we could see that increase as well. He's always had great hands, has made crazy one-hand catches on big stages like when we played Miami back in the day. So I think Nate Noel, yes, obviously didn't have the best year last year. It was a setback as far as his injuries, but looking for him to bounce back this season and hopefully thrive and get back to that form we saw when he was a 1,000-yard rusher that was solidified as one of the best in the conference. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. I think the one thing that I'm interested to see as well with App State is, Caden, we talked about it at length last year. It felt like at times that team lost their identity on offense or maybe tried to be too stubborn about their identity. I will be really interested to see what App State's offense looks like this coming year. New quarterback, you're going to have some new wide receivers as well. Uh, Nate Noel definitely has the opportunity to shine at the running back position. Caden, moving on to number four, and this one could also be controversial. Uh, we went with Kamani Vidal here at number four. He was the second team all Sunbelt selection last year. 
Uh, he's coming off of two honorable mentions uh, in his first two seasons in 2020 and 21. Uh, he steadily improved throughout his career, he ran for 516 yards as a freshman back in 2020, ran for a career best 1,132 yards in tut and touchdowns as a sophomore last season. Uh, his 1,132 yards was third most among Sunbelt Conference running backs, trailing only Kalen Laybourne of Marshall, Southern Misses, Frank Gore Jr. He's a super explosive guy. You may remember back where he had back-to-back 200-plus yard rushing games uh, against ULM and Arkansas State this season. Uh, Caden, he enters this year with 2,349 career rushing yards, which is the second most among active players uh, in the Sun Belt, uh, trailing only Frank Gore Jr., who I can tell you will be on this list in the next three running backs. Yeah, Kamani Vidal, shout out to him for being the highest ranked guy on this list from the beautiful state of Georgia that breeds talent at every position, but especially at running back. But no, you talked about it. This was kind of a sleeper heading into the season, and we talked about it before about arguing, and we can get into more of a debate over who's the most important to their team. But I think when you look at the championship run that they made last season, they don't do it without Kamani Vidal. He was one of the three or four most important players to this team in their championship win down the stretch. And you talked about it. His numbers to start the season were a little bit underwhelming. He'd have a 35, a 30-yard game here, a 50-yard game here. But in the month of November, and I talked about it on this podcast before, they remember November. It's when the most important ball is played. And when it was the biggest moment for Troy, he stepped up big and had the best month in the month of November by far. We can go through it. I mean, he goes out there against Army, a team who traditionally runs the ball, pounds the ball everywhere. He gets 72 yards in that game, not super impressive. But then he follows it the next week with a 242-yard performance against Louisiana, follows it the week after that, or Louisiana Monroe, sorry, follows that the next week with a 200-yard performance against Arkansas State, and then closes out with a nice 50-yard day in the month of December against Coastal Carolina to win the championship. So when you look at this guy and what he did, he was an absolute workhorse. I believe that um, Kalen Laybourne was the only guy in the conference last year that had more touches than him. He's a workhorse back. He was very reliable. He falls forward a ton. He's tough to tackle. This is a guy that when you put him on another team, maybe he's not ranked as high, but when you put him playing at that level in the month of November in championship football, clearly garnered the respect from his peers with the all-conference selection. This is one of the last guys in the league you want to tackle. He's great at taking, breaking tackles, and I'm very excited to see him this season in an offense that apparently is going to have a little bit more panache and style. That's another reason he gets some extra points as well because we know this offense had struggles last year, and there was quarters, halves, and games where he was their most consistent offensive player and their only offense just by getting chunk yardage. So if they go up-tempo, he might be even more effective this season because last year he wrecked a lot of dudes when they saw him coming. If they don't see him coming in an up-tempo offense, maybe he can be even more effective. Okay, and an interesting point there, too, that you made was uh, Vidal's durability last season. He played in every game, uh, and that's huge for a running back because we all know they're taking a beating back there, and for him to be able to go out there week in and week out and perform, uh, that could be a huge part of the Troy offense once again. So I think uh, Vidal's durability uh, clearly makes him a top-four running back in this league. Caden, you could have made an argument that Kamani Vidal should be our third-best running back heading into the season, but... We went a different direction here. We went with a guy who didn't have much in terms of stats last year, but when you look back two years ago, he was arguably one of the best running backs in the nation, and that's Marshall running back Rasheen Ali. He ran for 1,401 yards and led all of Division I with 23 touchdowns during the 2021 season. He was our number one running back and potential preseason offensive player of the year. If you remember back before last season, uh, he appeared in just three games at the end of the season due to injury that kept him out for most of the year, but he then would run for 92 yards and a touchdown in that bowl win over UConn. 
Uh, thinking back, though, to 2021, he had six 100-plus yard rushing performances as a sophomore. Caden, if he can get back to that form, he can put himself in the conversation to once again be the number one running back in the Sun Belt and perhaps a top 10 running back in the entire country. Yeah, this is another controversial pick, probably our most controversial pick. And this is us, again, trying to balance and factor out the body of work you've had before and what you've done lately for your team. And I think when you look at Rasheen Ali, we can just back up here and kind of justify why he's this high. So look at him last year. He's always obviously dealing with those issues that he had off the field, his health, and was only able to appear in three games. And mind you, he did run well in those games. You talked about the 100-yard performance he had, I believe, against Georgia State. Got 200 yards from the end zone a couple of times last season. But let's talk about the redshirt freshman season he had. He was a redshirt freshman in 2021, mind you. He was absolutely dominant with 1,400 yards and 23 rushing touchdowns. Nate Noel's breakout year, by the way, he had four touchdowns that year. 23 touchdowns for Rasheen Ali is unheard of and absurd. And that's not counting his one receiving touchdown and his 97-yard kickoff return against Appalachian State and Caden Smith and the boys back in 2021. This guy was absolutely explosive. And if you're like McCaden, that breakout year, Marshall was in Conference USA. That's not really up to par. He had a 203-yard game against Charlotte in a blowout. He had 189 against ECU in a blowout. How does 20 carries, 8 yards a carry, 160 yards, and 3 touchdowns against number 23-ranked Louisiana in a bowl game when they just won the conference championship, probably the best team they've had in their school history. How does that do for you? Like, Is that, that good enough to be number 3? I, I think so. He's shown the body of work. The announcers were comparing him to Reggie Bush in that game, and it wasn't ridiculous. If you watch it, this dude was making everyone miss, was breaking ankles as an 18-year-old. And if he comes back next season as even half of that, I think he could still be a top six or seven back. But if he comes back at full strength and can build on that, he's surely a better player than he was when he was a redshirt freshman. He could vie for that top spot. So you have to respect what he's done. The body of work has to be respected at a certain level. And I think he's built it up to the point where number three is a good spot for him. Kane, the only thing I took from all of that is your ability to somehow spin a jab at the at the Raging Cajuns into that entire thing. Uh, you talk about Marshall tearing up App State in you know in that game, and then somehow you spin it to uh, you know hurt the conference champions, the Raging Cajuns. So. Just know that they won the game. Louisiana won that game, so they they got the last laugh. They lost their first game of the season to Texas and won out that season. It was an amazing year for Louisiana. They beat me twice, so I'm a little butthurt. But got to shout out Rasheen for playing well against that defense because I know how good they were. But no slander to Louisiana, guys. <laughs> don't don't come at me at Twitter. Sorry. Yeah, they, they've already done that over the ULL uh, you know, usage uh, earlier in the season. So, Kane, we'll move on. We've got two running backs left, and this uh, there was some debate here. Uh, and so I feel like we're going to give away who our number one running back is as soon as we announce who number two is. Caden, uh, the, the top two running backs, uh, I think that they were kind of interchangeable uh, when you look at these two guys, uh, both on very good teams. Uh, Kane, but at number two, we went with LaDamian Webb here for South Alabama. Uh, he recorded the fourth most rushing yards in 2022, trailing only Laybourne, FGJ, Kamani Vidal. Uh, but Kane, here's where it was interesting. You mentioned a moment ago, Rasheen Ali with those 23 touchdowns. LaDamian Webb had 13 last season. And I will always give running backs who get into the end zone more props than guys who just rack up rushing yards. Uh, his 13 touchdowns were second only to Kalen Laybourne, uh, who had 16. He did all that despite being limited to just eight carries and 24 yards in the middle of the season against ULM in Troy uh, in October. Kane, he recorded three 100-plus rushing performances, one against UCLA, against Arkansas State, and a career-best 247 yards 
and four touchdowns in a win over Georgia Southern. I know that's music to your ears. Uh, he was a first-team All-Sun Belt running back uh, last season. He'll play his second season in Mobile as a senior this year. And, Caden, he has eyes on making a leap to the NFL in the spring. Uh, the biggest question for him is can he show the same explosiveness that we saw against Arkansas State and Georgia Southern uh, throughout the entire season? He ran for 55.7 yards per game in his final three games of the season. Caden, if he can put it all together, Webb will be a top two running back, perhaps the number one running back in the Sun Belt heading into 2023. Yeah, listen, LaDamian Webb is a Florida State transfer, and that is exactly what he looked like last season. I mean, you could argue out of this whole list, if you just combine size, speed, physicality, what you're looking for, if you could build a running back, you're probably building a guy that looks something like LaDamian Webb. I mean, this guy is stout. He's probably the last guy on this list that I'd want to tackle personally, and I think that should go up and, and have a, a say in your rankings. But you talked about it. He had a, some breakout games, and he was the beneficiary of an offense that had Carter Bradley, had a great passing attack, and just was able to, in that balanced attack, find his find his holes, take his shots, and was just super productive and one of the most menacing guys in the conference. And when you kind of want to put a, a an epitome, just a snapshot of how good this guy was last year after 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 me coming after Louisiana and, and ranking Nate Noel over Georgia Southern. Here I go again, taking another shot at Georgia Southern. But you look at that game against Georgia Southern in Statesboro, a tough environment to play in. They're down 31 to 17 with four minutes left in the third quarter. And LaDamian Webb scores three unanswered touchdowns. They had a scoring drive and a rally against an air raid offense by just giving him the ball on the ground. He ends the day with 247 yards and four touchdowns, like you mentioned. There's not many backs in the league where if you're down that many points, you're trusting them and putting the ball in their hands to go and get it done. And that's what we see when we see him at full health. You talk about those two week, that two-week stretch where he wasn't healthy. If this guy's healthy the whole season, you could argue that he might swing some of those key games. I know you're a big proponent of he did, if he played in that game against Troy, things would be a lot differently. But I think when you look at LaDamian Webb, it's hard not to be excited about this guy in this offense and the pieces he's surrounded with with Troy going forward this season. And I think that may be part of the reason why he's at two instead of one. A guy we're about to talk about here who definitely didn't have as much help on the offensive side of the ball as LaDamian Webb did last year. Yeah, Webb was great, but Caden, you kind of teed me up right there for our number one running back. And I'll be honest, the only reason, not that's not true, not the only reason, but uh, I went with Frank Gore Jr. at number one because I didn't want all the Southern Miss fans in my mentions on Twitter. <laughs> um, but no, Frank Gore Jr., very deserving of the number one ranking uh, in the Sun Belt at the running back position. Uh, he was one of four Sun Belt running backs last year to run for over 1,000 yards. We've mentioned the other ones already. He finished the season with 1,382 yards and nine touchdowns. And Caden, you might remember uh, how he ended last season. 329 yards was an NCAA bowl record. Also had two touchdowns in Southern Miss's win over Rice in the Lending Tree Bowl. I will also mention, because the Southern Miss fans love hearing this, they were one of just three Sunbelt teams to win a bowl game last year. Uh, he enters the season with 2,891 yards during his three-year career. And Caden, ESPN put out an article about a month ago where they put him inside their top 10 running backs in college football uh, heading into the 2023 season. He'll be looking for a strong start to the season. Last year, if you remember back, he ran for 178 yards in that opening game against Liberty. Uh, but then it was those next three games where he ran for just 136 combined yards in those next three games. He did finish the year with three 100-plus yard performances, including 199 in the finale against ULM, 329 in the bowl victory. Caden, if Frank Gore can find that elite level throughout the entire season, he's going to be in the conversation to be a top five running back in the country this coming season. 
yeah, you have to put Frank Gore at the top spot, despite what Southern <laughs> Miss fans, how, how they may feel or not feel about us. I think ESPN putting them in that top 10 ranking and just looking at some of the NFL draft stuff coming up later in the year that, that those, some of those rankings and boards he's on already, I think that kind of justifies us having him as the top back in the conference. But look, he's a second-team all-conference guy. A lot of that has to do with their winning, but he was the first-team all-conference selection for the all-purpose category. We know this guy has eight passing touchdowns in his career. He throws the ball for this team, he catches the ball for this team, and he rushes the ball for this team. His auntie does chill, and he doesn't chill either. He was by far the best running back in the league last year, when you just look at what he was given, his body of work, he was the Barry Sanders of the conference. This offense didn't have much going outside of Frank Gore. You look at his offensive line, not a single guy, zero offensive linemen that were all conference selections last year. The only offensive player other than him that was an all conference selection was Jason Brownlee, who's now gone. So you look at him putting this team on his back and his skill set. And if you just watch him with the eye test, you saw in that game in the bowl, what his full peak of his power is, what it really looks like. And it's amazing. He's the toughest guy to tackle in the conference. He's slippery. He always seems to step ahead. His vision's incredible. And I think he might even have the upper hand in some of those short area quickness and skills than his father did. His father was more of a downhill bruising back, but this is a finesse player. He plays with no gloves most of the time. He's just an absolute football player and an absolute dog. You got to hope that coming into this season, his offense can do him some more justice, can help him out maybe up front and get the passing game going and hopefully compliment him with a good quarterback. Because we would just hate to see another season where Frank Gore kind of gets hidden a little bit because his talent and his skill set is top level. The people who play him and the people who in the conference know, but I think it's about time for people across the nation to know that name. They know his father's name. They know he's in the mix, but I think a, a, a step up from his team, he can bring the same consistent play next year. I think a step up from his team as a whole will give him more justice and give him more due that he's deserving heading into the season. Yeah, that will be interesting. Can Southern Miss find that quarterback? Can they become more consistent on offense? We've seen uh, Frank Gore's ability to to dominate the carries on that offense, but can they become more consistent? Uh, that will certainly be the question on our mind. Well, Kane, I'm pretty pleased with these top 10 rankings. It was a little bit challenging. There's a lot of good running backs this year, but I think uh, that's a pretty good list of 10. Would you agree? Yeah, and I just want to get this takeoff that I have that I've been thinking and I've just been wanting to say in a microphone. We talked about a lot of injuries and some of the struggles that these guys went through. Caden's rule, if he had to make a rule for the NFL draft, it would be to let running backs go after their freshman season. I know you have to wait three years to get into the league, but if you're a running back and you can score, if you can get a thousand yards as a freshman early on in your career, let that translate to the NFL level. We know that position's grossly underpaid. We know that in their second contracts, there's always difficulties and that that position is just being undervalued in the NFL right now. I think if you can add more value to it, by letting these guys go in their first year. And I think some of these Sunbelt guys have a shot and have some pop and have some real potential. And I think if they were able to maybe showcase some of their skills after their freshman year, some of their early days, we'd probably see them still carrying the ball right now. So that's my little proposition. And I think there's a lot of league talent in this group. And I think this season, if I have to just pick a position group to be excited about, it's going to be this running back position with this field and group of guys we have. Yeah, interesting take there, and I could see that becoming something that maybe is talked about in the future. Well, that will do it for this episode of the Frarian Smith Podcast. Again, thanks for continuing to support the show throughout the offseason. We're excited to continue interacting with you throughout the offseason and into next year. Again, here's a quick reminder about our mailbag. If you have Sunbelt football-related questions, send them our way by emailing prairiensmith at gmail.com in the coming weeks. We'd love to hear from you. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with the next episode of the Frarian Smith Podcast on Wednesday, May 24th. Caden and I We'll be continuing our Decision Makers series with a sit-down with South Alabama Athletic Director Joel Erdman in that episode. Well, that'll do it for us here at the Frarian Smith Podcast. Again, as always, if you like today's show, take a moment to like, rate, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us and the show out. We're going to continue bringing you some great content about the Sun Belt throughout the remainder of the offseason. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, 
and Brett Jemis. I'm Noah Prairie. Thanks for joining us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.